This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Hey, good morning, everybody. So I have to rip on Kevin a little bit because he's not here, right? I don't have that lousy mustache cup that he has. My wife gave me the real thing, a Starbucks cup. So there you go. I'm not old enough to drink coffee yet, but I have a Starbucks cup in case I ever get to that point. So, I know you're having a great... Worship was so fun this morning, wasn't it? It was It was touching and stirring, and, and the songs are deep and meaningful, and um, right on point for where we're going to go today. So uh, I have a, a couple things I want to say to you as a church before I dive into uh, what I want to teach us this morning. Later on today, we are sending 14 high school students to camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple things I want you to know. Many of you participated in fundraisers so they could go. Uh, I just visited with Angela, and she said to me, every kid got every scholarship that they needed to go to camp. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I have a project for all of us to work on this week. Because we're sending 14 high school kids to camp. I have a little story to tell you. It was at a camp, a youth camp a Christian camp in Southern California that Kevin had his faith awakening and gave his heart to Jesus and started down the path that eventually led him to become our lead pastor. I want you to think about it for a minute. There were probably people in some church somewhere who raised funds so that Kevin could go to camp and there were people working in that camp and investing in, you've heard the stories, probably a wild kid that they thought there was maybe no hope for, right? And yet, because of that decision, more than 20 years ago, we sit here and we are blessed. That's pretty awesome, don't you think? We'll never know those people. Yes, they deserve a hand. We'll never know them. So here's our project this week. I want you to pray not only for our kids, but I want you to pray for the workers at that camp. Because hopefully, (laughs) for a better reason than Mark is laughing at. (laughs) Because hopefully, somewhere 20 years from now, one or two or three or four of those people will be standing on a stage in some church somewhere, blessing that church, and we got to play a part in that. Are you up for that this week? Yes, let's do that. So we are going to dive into this topic, and so everybody always, that's a big statement, isn't it? Yes, and we're going to press into that a little bit today. Uh, Anybody here disappointed with the condition of our nation? Silly statement, right? 
So I'm 66, and never in my lifetime have I seen our nation so divided, so polarized, so at each other's throats, and so disrespectful. Anybody feel that? Everybody does. I want to press into something that I think is really important, because if there's a word that we hear over and over and over again, and it is always said as if it's the actual solution for our country, it would be the idea of tolerance. And yet, I want to start by saying that Jesus teaches us to move beyond the surface issues of tolerance and acceptance, as good as they are. There's an issue that's far more powerful. And here it is. He teaches us to move to the heart issue of love. Because tolerance and acceptance can enable us to coexist. You've probably seen the bumper stickers that talk about coexisting. And we in this country are finding out we actually can disagree and coexist. But tolerance and acceptance only keep us from shooting each other most of the time. Huh. But tolerance and acceptance are powerless to unite us. That's why we're divided. We have tons of this. But we don't have unity because only love can actually unite us. So I'd like to lay out this morning... The idea that this everybody always thing that we're talking about is not primarily an issue of tolerance and acceptance. That's not good enough for the human race. It's actually an issue of love. Genuine, heartfelt, respectful, honoring, caring love. It's not all that hard to do everybody always here. It's really hard to do everybody always here. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Now last week, Kevin taught us that love is the main thing. And he he laid out actually three different levels of love. And I just want to review it shortly. First of all, Jesus said, love everybody. He, He said, love one another. And then Kevin pointed out the golden rule is this. And Jesus also taught us, taught us this, that I should love as I want to be loved. It's one thing for me to look at you and say, yeah, I love you. I mean, I would never do any harm to you. And I, I actually want what's best for you. But in terms of a heartfelt, deep love, where I will draw you into my circle of love and make sure that you feel loved. That's a different thing. And when we get to this level, do I want people to just sort of love me on the fringe and and sort of wish that everything goes well, but not to draw me into their circle of love? No, I want to be drawn into their circle of love. I want to know that my life makes a difference to them. Yeah, and that I mean something to them. 
And then Kevin talked about the platinum rule. Now, I know it's never been called that by theologians, but I love that terminology. And here it is. This is even a deeper love. And that is I go beyond loving you as I want to be loved. And I actually learn to love you as Jesus loves me. And oh, by the way, Jesus loves me when I'm not very lovely. And in fact, as we sang about earlier, he loves us even when we don't love him. And that's the real challenge in our world today. Anybody can love people that love them. Anybody can be nice to people that we don't know and kind and friendly. But it's when we learn to love those who actually don't love us. In fact, when we learn to love those who hate us, as Jesus said, love your enemies. Wow. Now that has the power to actually draw us together. So we're going to press into that. So here's the goal that we have for today. And that is that we could actually draw everyone in our world into our circle of love, not some of the time, but always. And that's a daunting task. It seems to be way bigger than we are. And actually, friends, it is way bigger than we are. There's not a single person sitting in this room that has enough innate love inside yourself in order to be able to do that. And so the Apostle John taught us this. He said, God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He in us. And if you were here last week, Kevin said to you, and if you're not a Jesus follower yet, it might seem a little strange, but the promise that God gives is the moment that we choose to follow Jesus with our life that God will come and live inside of us by His Spirit. That, my friends, is a fantastic gift that the Spirit of God would come and live in us and begin to do in us and through us what we could never do on our own. It's like a supernatural power comes to live in us and change our lives. And notice what John says about this. God lives in us and his love is brought to what? Full expression in us. Now that, my friends, isn't everybody always love. You understand? It's not my love is brought to full expression. God's love is brought to full expression in my life. And that's really our only hope of being able to get everybody always in our circle of love. So the first thing that we have to see is, if there's any hope of us doing this, we got to invite God into the circle. That makes sense, right? Because it's actually His love that's going to fill our circle of love. And then a guy came to Jesus one day, and he said, what's the most important commandment? And as you can see, Jesus said, you got to get God in your circle of love. Here's what he said. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all, and all your mind. That's pretty much all of you. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. So you get him in there. This is the first and the greatest commandment. This is where everything begins. And then Jesus didn't stop there. He said this. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. I just want you to think about these two words, as yourself. 
Huh. Is that prescriptive or descriptive? I actually think it's both. You not only should love your neighbor like you love yourself, Jesus is actually saying you will love your neighbor to the degree that you love yourself. And that, my friends, is a whole different deal. Okay? He went on to say the entire law and prophets are based on these two commandments. So what Jesus is saying to us, if we're going to do this everybody always thing, we not only have to invite God into the circle, we have to invite ourselves into the circle. This circle of love. And, and so that begs a really important question. How can I more fully and deeply love myself? Can I just be honest with you? If I had started with this and said, this is what we're going to press into this morning, how many of you would have thought right off the bat, I never thought I would go to church and they would teach me how to be more selfish? Because that's what we tend to think this is. So we're going to press into this this morning and we're going to unpack it and we're going to try to uh, take a step toward more fully and deeply loving ourselves so that we can then love our neighbor as we love ourselves. That's the formula that Jesus gave. Now, let's start with this understanding. I cannot generously lavish on others what I feel short of for myself. Everybody knows that, right? Yeah. If I've got a bazillion of these little widgets, <laughs> take as many as you want. If I've got one of these little widgets and I really like it, Get your hands off of my widget. That's how that works. Because I cannot lavish generously on others what I feel short of myself. And so if we are going to be able to love our neighbors, it stands to reason that we have to be filled with love. And Jesus said, it's actually love for yourself that can spill over into your love for other people. So, Jesus gave us this little insight, which I want to point us to. And if you've gone to church before, or maybe you grew up in church, you recognize this passage of Scripture because it's virtually always applied to money. Okay, And yes, Jesus did talk about it in the context of money, but the principle behind, behind this is, applies to way more than money. And Jesus said it like this, wherever your treasure is, that's where the desires of your heart will also be. So I want to expand this and and just throw in a couple of extra phrases. Wherever your treasure is, that means whatever you invest in. Okay? Well, here's an interesting thing. There are the desires of your heart what you really care about and what you want to invest in, that's where they will be. Jesus recognized there was this interesting thing that goes on inside every human being, which I call the invest in care cycle. Okay? There's probably not a person in this room that could tell you today what a particular stock is selling for or what it closed at on Friday in the New York Stock Exchange, unless you actually own that stock. If you own it, you might be able to, probably would be able to tell me what it was selling for. 
Why? Because whatever you invest in, you actually care about. And what you don't invest in, you don't actually care about. And here's an amazing thing that happens. Whatever you care about, you also tend to invest in. Have you noticed that? Yeah. I just said to you a while ago that many of you participated in fundraisers so that our high school and junior high kids could go to camp. Why did you do that? You invested in those kids. Why? Because you care. And because you cared about them, you invested in it. Now, my question is, how does this apply to self? How can I invest in myself so that I actually end up caring about myself? And of course, the more I care about myself, the easier and more natural it is for me to invest in myself because Jesus said, wherever my treasure is, whatever I invest in, that's where my heart is. That's what I actually care about. So, the real question is, how can I invest in myself? And can I just say up front, most of us are not good at this. We just aren't good at this. And because we're not good at investing in ourselves, let's go back a slide. If I'm not good at investing, what happens to my caring? I'm actually not very good at caring either. Because they go in the same package. Jesus pointed that out to us. So how can I invest in myself? And so I'm going to lay out five things that, that we typically look at in this investment of self. Okay? And, and they get progressively deeper and more significant. So let's start right up here at the top. And that is, one of the ways you can invest in yourself is through relaxing. Okay? Now the interesting thing, how do most of us relax? Come on, say it out loud. How do we relax? That's right. We sit on the couch and veg. And, and if we have a TV near, that's great. And most of us have couches that are aimed right at the TV, right? Of course. And here's the interesting thing about relaxing. What relaxing actually does for us is it stops the energy drain. You have worked hard all day long. And you have been expending energy, expending energy, expending energy. And when you are done with work, you are really done trying to expend energy. And what you're looking for is a giant plug that you can put in the energy drain of your life and stop the flow of energy going out. And that's what relaxation is. That's why we tend to sit on the couch and watch TV because it requires nothing of us. Right? Now that's really hard if you have small kids, right? Because when you get home from work, they are ready to drain your energy. Whatever you got, they will take it all and then some. Yeah. But this is an interesting thing. This feels good. Because it stops the energy drain. But can I tell you, this only masquerades as an investment. It's not a real investment. And the reason it's not a real investment is though it stops the energy drain, it gives you nothing in return. 
And how many of you would be willing to invest your money in something that is guaranteed to give you nothing in return? Nobody here would do that. And we all recognize that's not an investment. That's an expenditure. Yeah. Entertaining. How does this one differ from this one? This one, you don't have to do anything. This one may make you laugh and it may lift your spirit. So it feels better. Of course. You're not just sitting there doing nothing. And, and, and if you've got a real, a real coup, when you come home and your relaxation is to watch a funny show, you feel even better than if you watch a sort of downer movie or something. Right? Because this will make you laugh. And it will actually lift your spirit. And so, if you can relax in a way that's entertaining, you actually feel a little better. But... This also masquerades as an investment. It's not an investment. When you're done being entertained, are you a better human being than you were before? No, it doesn't fundamentally change you. It may put you in a better mood so you don't bite off the heads of your kids or your wife or your husband. So in that sense, it might keep you from being a bad human being, but it doesn't actually increase your capacities in life. And therefore, these two things masquerade as investments. Now, take your eye off the screen for a minute and listen to me. The sad part is, those are the two that we spend the most of the time doing. Are you on board with that? Yeah. These are our typical go-tos. And it's no wonder then that we're actually not very good at loving ourselves because the things that, that we invest our precious time that we have so little of when we get off of work and, and that precious little free time because we're so tired and drained, these are our go-tos and the sad reality is they stop the energy drain, they put us in a little bit better mood, but they don't actually develop us as people. So, let's talk about these three, because this is where we want to move if we actually want to increase our ability and our capacity to love ourselves and our ability and our capacity to love our neighbors. Let's talk for a minute about refreshing. When I, in, when I engage myself in something that's refreshing, I actually replenish myself. I don't just stop the energy drain. I replenish myself and I invigorate myself. Okay? Now, some of you do this by working out. And you go straight to, to the gym or the club and you start pumping iron or you start logging miles or you're doing something because you want to actually replenish yourself. Some of you go and sit at a particular place where you love to sit because there's something about that place that somehow refreshes you and it invigorates you. This is a very good place to begin investing in yourself. And if you want a little experiment, I'm going to give you another one later, but if you want to write down a good experiment, take a sheet of paper and on the left-hand side, write down the things that relax you. And on the right-hand side, write down the things that actually refresh you. And try to identify at least a half a dozen activities that refresh you. Okay? 
Take your piece of paper, tear it in two, throw away the left column, and start working on the right one. (laughs) Got it? That's a great experiment. Try that this week. And I guarantee you, you will feel different. Because you will have increased your capacity to actually invest in yourself and love yourself. Okay? Let's talk about things that are enriching. Okay? For the last several weeks, we have said to you that we are hosting this conference. And the conference is called the Global Leadership Summit. And if you want to invest in yourself and increase your influence on other people, then come to the Global Leadership Summit and take two days and invest in developing the skill of influencing other people. Now, imagine if a month and a half from now, at the end of Global Leadership Summit, imagine if you walked out the doors of this auditorium and you felt like, by golly, I am way better equipped to be the influence in people around me that I want to be. Wow. Now you haven't just stopped the energy drain. You haven't just laughed at something that's silly or funny. And you haven't just replenished your own energy. You've actually worked at developing a skill in your life. And when you look at that person in the mirror that you see every day, you see a person who is more skilled and more developed and more filled with vision and energy and life and vitality than the one that you used to see. And you know something? The respect you have for yourself will go up. Because you're actually investing in yourself. Now let's get all the way down here to the bottom one, the spiritual pathway. And I want to teach you something that if if you were part of our legacy program two or three years ago... Uh, We introduced this to you in that leadership program. But for all of the rest of you, I I want to introduce to you the concept of a spiritual pathway. It's no secret that God makes us all unique and different and, and no two of us are exactly alike. But there are things that we share in common. And we all know that there are general personality types. That sort of categories that we all sort of generally fit into. Well, there's been a lot of research done and a lot of interviews done, and and it seems like there's a little bit more than a half a dozen general pathways that get people next to God, and, and one or two of those will fit us, and the others don't, okay? So, What I'm going to suggest to you is when you find out what your primary spiritual pathway is and your secondary spiritual pathway is and you begin to spend time on those paths, that there's an amazing thing that starts to happen inside you and the love of God starts to come to full expression inside you. So let's take a look at what those pathways might be. Okay, I'm going to start with one that I'm not, okay? So we'll go right over here to meditative, okay? Um, I used to beat myself up all the time because pastors would stand up and talk about they went 
And they spent so many days with God. And they sat in silence. And it was like the richest and most wonderful thing they've ever done. And I go and sit in silence before God and all I get is silence. And, and other people take this time and they journal. I thought, okay, maybe that's the thing for me. So I'm going to sit with God and I'm going to journal all the thoughts that He gives me and all this stuff. And then I'm going to go back and read it later. I didn't even want to read it when I got done writing it because it wasn't worth reading. Because that's not my pathway. Okay? Okay? So that's a great pathway. And it works for a ton of people. Okay? So there's the intellectual pathway. And some of you will find, and I know several people in our church, that this is their spiritual pathway. And if you want to get them amped up and excited about something, you lay some concept out for them, and all of a sudden they begin to dig and they do research and they get their Bible out and they're, and they're, and they're, they Google it and they, they dig into this thing. And the deeper they dig into it, the more they light up. And the next thing you know, they're using words that are this long to describe something that you don't even understand. But man, it lit them up. And they feel closest to God when they're digging like that. Relational. There are people sitting right here in this auditorium that if you put them over here in solitary confinement before God, they would go buggy nuts. Because they're relational people. And they actually feel next to God by being around people. That's the closest that they ever feel to God. And, and, and it just fuels this concept of, of God in them and God loving them. People with music and the arts... Okay. Some of you got goosebumps this morning as the worship team sang. Some of you sat out in the audience just waiting, sat out in the, in the lobby waiting for the real thing, and that is the teaching, because you might be up here, right? And, and all that music and stuff, uh, it works for other people. It's okay. But for some of you, this is life. Okay? For some of you, you're an activist. You need a cause. And when you get involved in a cause that's, closest, that's close to the heart of God, you just get lit up and you give yourself fully to that cause. And that's where you feel closest to God. Some of you, it's serving. Man, when you are serving other people or working in ministry or volunteering for, for some organization that you know is helping people, somehow you just feel next to God. And for some of you, it's a walk in the woods or going to the beach or walking in the mountains or, or by a waterfall. Those are seven major spiritual pathways. On the way out today, um, I have this particular document. I printed up a hundred of them. If they're all gone after this service, I'll print more for next service. But it's actually a spiritual pathway self-assessment. Okay. So that's our experiment for this week, okay? Not only this investment thing that I gave to you earlier, but pick up one of these, take a spiritual assessment, a spiritual pathways assessment on yourself, and then there's a short description on page number three. There's a short description of what each one of these pathways is. Now, there's a reason I have this up here. So let's take a look at this. 
I want to teach you a lesson about life using a sponge, okay? Because in some ways, your inner person, your spirit or your soul, is very much like a sponge. And Jesus taught us that what this is made for is actually to soak up love. That's what it's made for. So let's talk about the principle of the sponge before we talk about the principle of love. So I have here a sponge, and let's just assume that I want to bless somebody. So I go over here, and I wring out my sponge, and absolutely nothing comes out. Why? Because there's nothing in it. The truth is, we cannot lavish generously on others what we're short on ourselves. But if we take the sponge... Maybe I should have pre-soaked this. What do you think? (laughs) All right. And we let it sit, and we let it sate. Does anybody know what sate means? Sate means to be fully satisfied, to overrun. It has the same root word as satisfy, okay? So I sit and I sate, then guess what? I can bless people generously. So I think, man, that was fun. That was awesome. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go bless more people. That's good. Yeah, that was fun. I'm going to do that again. Pretty soon you reach a point where what? You have nothing left to give. Not because you don't want to. And not because you haven't done it before. But because you didn't sit and soak. And get satisfied. So if we took this. And we understood. That this is what love is about. And the reason I'm teaching you about the spiritual pathways. Is because it's when you sit and soak. On your spiritual pathway. That God begins to fill you up. First of all with love for him. Secondly with love for yourself. A genuine love for yourself. And when you are full of love, you have the capacity then to go and love others. And love others generously. That's how God made you to work. So this is the deal. This represents capacity. This represents sitting and and soaking and sating. And that represents sharing. So love capacity spiritual pathway right here and the ability to love others right there. Here's what Jesus said, and this is what I want to close with. Did you know that the mouth speaks? You want to speak love to others? Here's what Jesus says. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And one of the reasons why you and I sometimes struggle to speak lovingly to those around us, and especially to those who irritate us, is because our heart is actually not full of love. We're trying to be loving. We're trying to act loving. But Jesus said, forget that. That's not real. What actually is real is when your mouth speaks what your heart is absolutely full of. And if I had a prayer for you today, it would be this.
that you would sit on your spiritual pathway and invest in yourself at that deepest level to the point that you became full of love. Full of love for God. Full of love for yourself. And then you would be fully equipped to go out and love others as you love yourself. And it will be out of the overflow of your overflowing heart that the people around you will be blessed. Because people who are full of love become love for others. And you know that book that we're reading that many of you have bought? Take a little time to read the subtitle. Everybody Always is the book. And the subtitle is, is this. Becoming love. Not acting lovely. Not acting lovingly. Becoming love in a world full of setbacks and difficult people. And oh, by the way, you and I are both sometimes. Right? And what we want is people around us who have become love to us. And actually what we want to be is we want to become love to the people around us. So here's this, this week's experiment. Take the spiritual pathways assessment. This is not just about knowledge where you can go, oh yeah, I'm one of those creation people. This is awesome. Okay, that's good. I'm glad you got that. All right? But then get in your pathway for at least an hour this week. Knowing what your pathway is doesn't change your life. Getting on it does. Okay? So I don't have an hour. Get two half-hour segments. Okay? Yeah. Now, you can't get 61-minute section, sessions and expect it to really change your life. That's not a big enough investment at a time. You can figure this out. But take the experiment this week, and, and the guarantee that Jesus gives is if you soak with him, you will love yourself, and you'll be able to love others. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you for teaching us so insightfully about how we work. God, I just confess, I never would have come up with the idea that the way I love other people will be the way I love myself. I probably would have said the opposite of that. That if I could divest myself of love for myself and be unselfish and share that with everybody around me, that, that, that I could be more loving. And you said, whoa, 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 time out. That's not how it works. And so would you give us a great week of actually assessing where we are and investing in ourselves And God, here's my request for all of us, and I know you'll do it, that when we get on that pathway, you'll meet us there, and we'll know it, and we will leave more filled with love and a greater capacity to actually accept and love and appreciate ourselves, and then out of that overflow, it would just spill on the people around us. We ask that in faith, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I will see you next week. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. 
You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.